Welcome to this podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be in Croydon today with my colleague Sacrafik, founder of Orange Ball. And we're here to discuss coaching and more specifically the integration of positive psychology into coaching and what Orange Ball is doing to develop this idea of positive psychology and coaching and how it can be used to enhance performance and well-being in different domains. So Zach, a very warm welcome. It's nice to have you here. Morning, Simon. It's really nice that you said that you and I are going to sit down and have a chat and this is going to be quite enlightening for us because I think one of the challenges we face is coaching as a service. It's quite hard to to present and advertise to someone say well this is what coaching is and it's not until you you really sit down with a coach and have a discussion on a one-to-one so you really begin to appreciate and understand the power of it and I think kicking off with the the what's and the how's and the why's of coaching is great but what does coaching mean to you because we get asked this question a lot what is it what is coaching there are textbook definitions um, and I'm going to try and not give you a textbook definition. <laughs> so for me, coaching is a form of support where one person is supporting another person almost to get from A to B. And it's it, it's a non-directive form of approach. So as a coach, I would never tell a client what to do. What my role is is through dialogue, which which actually means a meeting of minds, um, is to facilitate change of thinking or a change of behaviour in the person that I'm working with. And it comes from, as I've said, a non-directive um, relationship. It's underpinned by trust. It's, a, it's underpinned by me wanting the best for that person mm. and to help them, to guide them uh, through questioning, through perhaps evidence-based tools and resources that that I know about to get them to the point that they want to. And what sort of skills would a coach need? Uh, and how do they how are you pushing coaching with Orange Ball? Because there's a there's a foundation of, of coaching skills that any coach requires, right? The ability to to be able to listen at many levels, right? Not yeah. just the words that are being said but what is someone really trying to communicate and being quite uh, empathetic and understanding where is this person coming from and asking powerful questions, relevant questions Mm. to understand and raise awareness of uh, that person's situation. What other skills do you see as being important for a coach to have? For me, there's there's a degree of empathy with that person, trying to understand the situation from their point of view. So as a coach, I inherently believe that people have the power within them to make those changes. And they might need to work with somebody through dialogue to get themselves into that Uh, I suppose, a positive frame of mind uh, to be able to instill a belief in that person that actually they have the power to change. Mm. Um, 
something else that I feel is important is to understand that um, any client that I work with, they are the master of their own destiny. You know, they are in charge of, they are the experts of their own life. So it's not for me to tell them to do something. All I can do is raise awareness as a coach. Uh, it takes an element of responsibility from the coachee to make those changes. Um, so I really see the role as being facilitative. Uh, you've mentioned listening, you've mentioned questioning, but almost what sets us apart is also our, um, rely not reliance, but our use of evidence-based practice. So we have a really good understanding of the types of questions that can have a positive impact. We have an awareness of certain tools and techniques from positive psychology and coaching psychology that have been proven to make a positive impact on um, individuals or actually groups of people. Um, I hope that answers the question. I think it, it. I think it answers his questions, but it also raises a lot of questions <laughs> that I was does. sort of noting yeah. down. Yeah. And one, uh, one that I, I was thinking of while you, while you were speaking there was the difference between mentoring yeah. and coaching. Yeah. Because you mentioned that the client is, or the coachee rather, is the expert in their own life, so they have everything that they need, and this is a a humanistic approach to yeah. thinking about things that yeah. they have all the resources within them. And, and we enter into this collaborative partnership where we're just trying to facilitate that change. Yeah. Now in mentoring, I, I, if I'm mentoring someone, I have some form of expertise or knowledge or experience that I hand over to that individual to yeah. guide them. Yeah. Whereas in coaching, we, we don't instruct people we don't tell them what to do it's it's much more about helping the discovery of what that person wants to achieve right and you mentioned models and tools and techniques yeah. so perhaps you could give me an example of a behavioral model a grow model of yeah. coaching for instance that's that's a, an evidence-based approach to yeah. coaching so what is what is GROW and how does that work within a coaching session? Okay, so GROW relates to the process that a coach and coachee, or actually the coach works through in order to facilitate a change of thinking or a change of behaviour. So it's a very structured approach to a coaching conversation. I mentioned the word dialogue earlier and I like the word dialogue because it suggests a meeting of minds. Within a coaching conversation, as well as the client learning about their situation, their thoughts and behaviours, the coach is always learning also, and that's very important for me. Um, so within a coaching conversation, the GROW model allows a framework for the coach to work through, a very structured approach, and it can vary in length. I've had GROW sessions that have taken 35 minutes. I've had sessions that have you know, gone over 90 minutes. But we start with the goal 
what is the coachee wanting to achieve by the end of that session? So this is the G. The this goal. is the G. The goal, and they can vary. So I have clients who, um, let's take a young person for example. A young person we might work with in a school. Um, their goal might be to achieve good GCSE results. But the reason that we are working with that young person within that school is because there are that young person might be facing some challenges or obstacles and the goal part of the process really drills down into what that young person wants the, to achieve. The specifics. The absolute specifics, yeah. And that can take 10 minutes, it can take 15 minutes. It's about raising awareness. So um, I'll give you another example. I had a client who um, wanted support with her thinking almost she wasn't sure if she wanted to go back to work full time mm. and she wanted to have a conversation around that or some support around that now just thinking that you don't you might not want to go back to work full time is quite a, a, a mass a big goal so we would drill into exactly what the client was thinking in relation to going back to work and it's so initially there's some, I remember reading something that when people come to coaching, there is some instability, there's some unbalance and you're drilling down to what that is. So the, the presenting issue for a client might be about the return to work in this example. Yeah. But when you get down to it, you might find that the goal shifts a little bit and what you're doing is to try to raise awareness around the specifics of that absolutely of that goal yes and it's been inquisitive it's been curious about um your coachy it it, it it it's trying to help them raise awareness in themselves of what the issue is what is that bottom line issue that is perhaps causing some um not confusion but that imbalance i love that word actually mm. creating that imbalance so once we've um, once we've reached the goal stage, we then look at the reality. So where is the coachee in terms of um, where are they on that path from where they are now to where they want to get to? So you're closing the gap between where they are now and what the goal is. So where are you now? Yes, yes. And that again takes um, powerful questioning to really drill down into where that person is, where they feel they are, where they think they are. Um, and that reality stage is important because that's where we begin to think about the obstacles or just you know, think about the obstacles that, that our coachee might be facing. Okay. And we begin to explore those a little bit more. So if we, if we stick with this example of your client <clears throat> yeah, and I want to go back to work but I'm not sure and you need to raise some awareness about what's happening at the moment. Would a question like, what have you been doing that's worked? What have you tried already? So you're establishing yeah. where you're at at the moment. Yeah. What's working well at the moment? Yeah. What's not working so well at the moment? Yeah. And, then, and these are the kind of questions to, to expand the reality of the situation. Yeah. Well, in this specific example, Simon, that I'm I'm sharing, um, 
it was an opportunity to actually utilize a positive psychology intervention. So at the reality stage, I introduce um, a tool called Best Possible Self, where I ask my client to almost take herself into the future and describe her perfect scenario. And we were trying to drill into what what my coach, she was really thinking, what was important to her. Um, and again, raise that awareness. And um, so my client went away, wrote down her best possible self or best possible scenario for 12 minutes, came back, read it out loud. And the reality dawned on her. Mm-hmm. And it was, coaches call it a light bulb moment. And the, and it's as a coach, it's what you're looking for. It's looking for that um, light bulb going off for a client or a coachee. You know, let, let's call them a coachee. And through the best possible self, which is, a, again, a evidence-informed tool, technique, that does help raise awareness, she became very clear on actually what it is she wanted. Okay, I need to, to, to rein you back a second. <laughs> okay, there, Because okay. we've mentioned positive psychology a few times. Yeah. And people listening, I don't understand what positive psychology is and what, what best possible self is. Yeah. But positive psychology, as I understand it, is, is the science of well-being. Yeah. And you were in this grow model with the client. Yeah. And you were in the reality phase. And at some point, you thought, I'm going to use this positive psychology tool, mm. a well-being, evidence-informed tool, to help explore, the, help this person to raise awareness of their reality. What is it about you as an orange ball coach who thought this would be a good idea to introduce this into the conversation. Because remember we said that coaching wasn't like mentoring where we don't tell people what to do, but you put forward this idea that perhaps this would be a good idea right now for you to Mm. imagine yourself in the best possible future. Yeah. Yeah. Because a normal coach wouldn't do that, would they? Um, No, because they don't have... The, I suppose, the evidence-based practice that we have. So after asking permission, if it's all right. So uh, asking permission is an important part of the coaching process. As a coach, never assume. Never assume that um, the client or the coachee wants uh, this specific technique or tool. So we, we had a conversation before the session um, where I um, shared that, you know, I asked permission, would it be all right to bring in some aspects of positive psychology? Now, the reason we um, use positive psychology is the belief that in any with any goal that a client may have, underpinning that are elements of well-being. Um, are elements of positive psychology. So for me, the reason I used that specific tool was I really wanted to get to to support my client to to think about the future in a positive way, Mm. hence best possible self. And where she was right now 
didn't seem to be the most positive place to be. So the best possible self allows somebody to think positively about the future. And then from there, we can talk about, okay, what are the challenges to get us to the best possible self? Now that brings in elements of positive mental health. It brings in elements of resilience. It brings in elements of well-being. So you're really expanding the potential of the conversation by using this tool, opening up a lot of avenues that weren't available to the coachee before you started to have the conversation around using this best possible self. So suddenly you've opened up a whole new world of possibility that wasn't there before the coachee took took part in this intervention. Because what, what I wanted to explore with the client is, okay, her goal was she wasn't sure if she wanted to go back to work. But we know there are so many other factors mm. linked to that thought that may be important. And it turns out that it was. That in, in my client's best possible self, her family, her relationships with her husband and her children were very important. And so this decision about whether I should go back to work actually had lots of different um, ramifications for different people and the best possible self that one specific tool allowed the conversation to I suppose expand and Mm. and my client realized okay well it's not just about me this decision it will affect other people around me and this is the where you're seeing the self-awareness being raised the all-important Yeah, thing that we talk about. Yeah. Why is it so difficult to? Why can't I just have a coaching conversation with myself? I've tried, but it doesn't work. To, to to logically talk through a conundrum with myself and ask myself those questions. I'm a coach, but I still can't do it. It doesn't work for me. There's something about the dynamic of that collaborative, trusting space where someone else asks me a question that really shifts my perspective. Because I've, I'm a coach, and I've also been coached, mm. but I can't coach myself. I, th- I, I would argue you can. With certain things, you can coach yourself. I've coached myself. So when you wake up in the morning and you make a list of things that need to be, get, need to be done that day, you've almost set yourself up a coaching path you know you you you've realized that this is what you need to do remember you are the expert of your own life and i believe some people can coach themselves i think we do it every day we do it every day what where you might need extra support is if you have that imbalance you've tried to mm, get over I, a certain okay okay i see what you mean so i it's almost like i've I've tried lots of things myself and I'm, I'm coming up against a barrier, but I don't necessarily know what that barrier yes. is. And then working with a coach, I'm able to, to talk it through with someone. Because the first thing I do, if I talk to a friend or my wife about a problem that I have, the first <coughs> thing they're going to do is offer me advice, Yeah, which I don't want. And maybe they would tell my friends or my family or my colleagues mm. that I'm struggling with an issue and I don't want to know that. Yeah, I don't want those people to know that about my situation. There's something I think about the coaching environment that you established through that agreement you talked about in the beginning of confidentiality and being non-judgmental. 
that that allows people to to open up and have a conversation like they've never had before. Yeah, and it's also about what actually would change your behaviour, Simon? What would actually change your way of thinking? Would it be me telling you what to do? So, Simon, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And that's great. I've mentored you there. I've said, look, Simon, you need to do this, this, and this. But what we know, what we know from how people learn and how people develop, it's when it comes from within. Intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic right. motivation. So my autonomy, if you look at that self-determination theory, which is a, another aspect of yeah. positive psychology, yeah. autonomy is very important. Yeah. So one way I strip someone of their motivation is to take their autonomy away Absolutely. by telling them what to do. Yes, yeah. And the most powerful way of, I suppose, creating change is for that person to discover see the it. value in it themselves mm. and discover it themselves. Now, I've been a teacher in the past and sometimes you have to, you know, I had to tell people what to do. Or the young people, you know, it's best if you do X, Y and Z. But what would have been better or what is better is if if your coachee or your client, whoever it is, realises that for themselves. Mm. That is way more powerful than somebody telling you what to do. Okay, so I'm in, I'm in the reality. I'm being yeah. coached by you. Yeah. And I've realised now that my situation is far more expansive than I thought it would be. Yeah. I have this raised level of awareness and now what? We've G'd, we've R'd, and we're moving on to O. Okay, so we we begin raising awareness of options. So what are your what are your options? So within, within the behavioural model, so behaviour yeah. means what are you going to do differently? Yeah. What are the options for what are you going to start doing differently? Yeah. For your client wanting to go back to work, Yeah. what are your options? Yes, and absolutely. Now, this is where coaching and mentoring differs. Mentoring... I might share the options. I might share what the options could be, what they might be, but that is not coming from the client. So I would explore, okay, um, this person in front of me, what what options do you have? And we would explore as many options as possible. They could range from people they could talk to, it could range from, I need to have this conversation with somebody. I need to do this. I must do this. I might do this. I might begin to think about this. Options can be, you know, there can be so many options. Um, and that's a really great part of the process because we've got somewhere. The client has has reached a point where they can see a future they can see themselves getting out of the situation that they're in they can see themselves getting to point b in their thinking or in their behavior um and it's a wonderful part of the process mm. because we both know as a coach and coach okay we're, we're we're making some positive steps here we're moving forward mm. and with anything the more options that we have the better so we really drill down into what options does that person have? There are certain ways of, of generating as many options as possible. This is important, you said, to, to, to give us as many potential ways forward mm. that, that we can get hold of. And I'm wondering what 
an orange ball coach would do to help someone to generate more options because there's certain clever tricks and things that you can do yeah. and I really like at the options phase how you can integrate positive psychology into the options phase yeah by saying asking those great questions like so what is it that you would do if you had 50% more confidence so it's a hypothetical question a yeah. bit like the best possible self where you're empowering some so what if what if you had no fear what if there were no mm. ramifications what would you do what would you do if you weren't holding anything back yeah so i think it's important at that options phase isn't it is to really think big and to think positive about what your options are because when we limit ourselves to i'm not going to say realistic thinking but rather limited thinking okay and this is Absolutely. where positive psychology we can we can expand the horizons and really yeah. get someone excited about yeah. the reality it's like oh well i didn't consider that 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 would be a possibility. Let's get that down as an option. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, uh, let me share an example of um, how something from a tool from positive psychology can help in the option stage. So, as a orange ball coach, what I like to do, actually, throughout the coaching process, but let's use the options phase as the example, is if the coachee has come up with an option, we also begin talking about what are the client's strengths what are the coach's strengths mm. so i tend to use the vs strengths framework now what that is is we inherently have um we we each have strengths within us and we can choose to use them or not so i'm gonna try and put it in its most in its simplest form so my top strength is fairness now, my client... How did you know your top strength is fairness? So through a um, scientifically validated questionnaire that we can all do for free. This is a, the Values in Action Character Strengths questionnaire. Absolutely. Um, and um, it takes about half an hour. Um, you complete it and then you get a report back. And again, this is a questionnaire and this whole area of strengths has been studied quite intensively. Um, decades, right, isn't it? Absolutely, it's a, yeah. It's a validated yeah. tool. Yeah, and as a coach, I believe in them because I've done the questionnaire myself. I use my signature strengths, which are the top five, as often as possible. And there's lots of research around strengths. So what I like orange ball clients to do is to, for example, at the option stage, consider which, Consider the strengths they have and try and match them up to the options that they have. Mm. Um, and again, it creates a positive conversation. The option, any option, begins to be seen as achievable because it's that as, a, as an individual, you have the strength to make mm. that option happen. Mm. It, it, and these strengths are the wonderful thing about the, the values in action questionnaire is all 24 strengths are inherent capacities yes that we all have so we're moving yeah. at positive psychology we're moving away from the deficit model of yeah. psychology of treating deficiencies we're looking at what's right within the human condition yeah. so what is good about us what's right about us and what's strong about us and here you have yeah. 24 things that are good about you yeah and your signature strengths are the ones at the top 
that yeah. come naturally to you. Yeah. My top one is self-regulation, mm. for instance. Your top one was... Fairness. Fairness. Mm. So how might you use your strength of fairness within this options phase to generate some more options? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's for the, the coachee to answer. That's not for me to, to share. All, all I might be doing is sharing that, okay, let's go back to your strengths. Here are your top five. You share how might you use these strengths within these options. It's not for me to tell that. You know, I might just raise awareness of the strengths. Remember, client, you have these wonderful strengths. How might you use them in the option stage? Mm. And it could be an example just off the top of my head. It could be that um, the coachee needs to have a conversation with somebody. Okay, what strengths do you have to make sure that that conversation goes as you want it to. Mm. And it could be self-regulation. It could be fairness. It could be social intelligence. It could be a whole host of strengths that that um, coachee might utilise within the option stage. It might be self-regulation. Mm. It, could be, it could be any of the 24. Uh, I'm with you on strengths. I absolutely I love them. I love, yeah. I love oh, we strength. love them. That's we love them. And, yeah. and yeah. it's when I've used them with coaches, I ask them to complete it. I asked their permission first if they wouldn't mind completing yeah. a validated psychometric profiling tool mm. such as VIA. And then I asked them to bring it along printed to every session. Yeah. And it's just there on the side as an extra tool yeah. that we have in yeah. our kit as an orange ball coach to, to bring in. And perhaps when they're doubting themselves maybe or in the options phase and we're struggling a bit, let's bring in those strengths and expand the conversation within the framework of what's good about you and your inherent strong capacities. Yeah. And I've really found that a lot of people don't know what their strengths are, right? Is it two thirds of people are yeah. unaware of what it is that they're actually good at? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I think just as individuals, I think it's important to have that awareness, you know, because as, as you're sharing, Simon, positive, positive psychology is, is, is about what's right with people. And there's a lot right with all of us but we can find ourselves in situations or challenges that aren't very nice you know life can be challenging life can be tough um but it's important to remember and it's sometimes difficult to remember the qualities that we have inside Mm. us and if we took a moment to consider them and it is difficult i understand that you know life can bring up Lots of rubbishy, <laughs> crappy things. And at, in those moments, it's, it's difficult to think about, okay, what's right with me? What are my strengths? You know, I need to look at this positively. Um, and it is a real challenge. And perhaps those are... Those are the moments where a coach would be very helpful, right? Yes, and not always. I, you know, I, I still believe we can... You know, if you are aware of your strengths and you're aware of the situation, then... People can get through them. People do. People mm. are so resilient in, in, in moments like that. But then some people aren't. Or some people might just need a little bit of help and support. And that is where, um, I suppose, that link between well-being, reaching a goal, can be helpful, can mm. be useful. And I think the training that we have and the science, uh, our knowledge of 
the principles of positive psychology, I think they blend in very, I know they blend in very well in those types of situations. But that's not to say somebody who's doing very well and feeling brilliant and doing very well at work, for example, doesn't need a coach. Mm. You know, you may need a coach to stay there. Mm. You may need, you know, so you, so I had a client who um, was on a um, leadership program, big organization in the city, doing very well. You know, she was uh, very motivated, um, ambitious, very driven, very good at her job. But she wanted to explore a couple of issues that she had, and it was to do with her relationships at work. So even, not even, but I don't think there's ever a time where you might not need a coach. You could be high, a high flyer in the city, but there may still be certain things that you might be thinking or your behaviours that you might want to explore. You know, so there is this con- preconception or this idea that coaching is just for people when something's wrong. Mm. And it's not necessarily the case. Some of our elite sportsmen and women still use utilize the power of a coach. Mm. You know, um, I have a coach. You have a coach mentor. Um, yeah. Well, I, ha- I have a coach and a mentor. <laughs> yeah. So I feel very yeah. fortunate in that respect. But yeah. I, know, I know when I need my coach, my positive psychology coach, and I know when I need my mentor. Yeah, yeah. If I'm going into an environment which I'm completely unfamiliar with and I know that could give me some tips and me get through it, mm. then I'm going to reach out to my mentor. Yeah. You know, if I'm struggling with a with some idea or I, I'm unclear about how I move forward, then I'll reach out to my coach. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Okay, so we, we looked at the options phase and how we can bring in strengths as a validated positive psychology tool to help generate some more options. Yeah. So now we're we're looking at all the options. I like to, to write things down with my clients and use sticky notes and things. I'm quite a visual coach. Yeah. And we have all our options in front of us. Mm. Now that we have them, we, we do some form of evaluation. Right? Yeah. Which one or which ones are the most appealing? Mm. Which ones do we want to take forward and action? And this is the, the W phase, right? Yeah. So this is the will. Does the coachee have the will to take those steps and that's where the the coach explores okay um and i suppose there's there's an element of challenge within this part where the coach might challenge the coachee um in regarding those options okay which one are you actually going to do right? So this is the your creating commitment with the sometimes referred to as will, sometimes referred to way forward. Yeah. What are you going to do yeah. next? Here are the options. Yeah. And what are we going to do? Yeah. And this is where um, the coachee has some responsibility, mm. and the coachee, it, it, it's their part of the partnership of of this you know coach coachee partnership relationship, um, and it's the. Okay, what are you? What might you do? When might you do it? What would that look like if it's successful? And we're, we're really, I suppose, it's towards the end of the conversation. And as a coach, it's now you've raised awareness. The coachee has accepted an element of responsibility. 
and they share how they are going to move forward. Now that could be um, in the next week before uh, we meet again. It could be that the coachee has a series of uh, tasks to do before the next time we meet. Maybe it could be, okay, to have that conversation or to um, um, make that phone call or to... Apply for that job. Apply for that job and so on. So that is, I suppose, we're at the end of the process now. And as a coach, you'd hope that the co- the, the coachee is... You know, they're well on their journey. Yeah, so they're, they're, they've got race self-awareness, they've got a series of options, and now they've got some form of commitment about specifically SMART goals, yeah. which you like in coaching. That, yeah. that they specifically, they know what it is that they want to do. Yeah. Measurable, they're going to know when they've completed it. I, yeah. They'll know, I've had the conversation. Yeah. Is it achievable? Yeah, you know, and these are all the things that we can work through within that smart framework. And I think that's something else that a that an evidence informed coach would use. Yeah, smart goal setting. Yeah, to give us a framework to work within. What exactly is the way forward going yeah. to be? Yeah, and that's uh that's the 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 process in a nutshell, isn't yeah. it? Grow of, of behavioural coaching of how a conversation would go from yeah. from beginning to end. Hmm. Now this is, it sounds very simple, like that we've just said, right, grow, we do the conversation mm. and it's done. But often I find that having been coached myself and coached as well, is that quite a lot of work happens after the session's done. Mm. Like there's lots of things are going around with this increased self-awareness of, of my situation and my options. There's quite a lot of thought that happens after the coaching session. Outside of a coaching session, do you as an orange ball coach, are you thinking about your client and what you should be doing next time that you meet? Is there any preparation that needs to be done? Absolutely. I think, um, well, I know as a, as a coach, it's important to self-reflect. I alluded to it, I alluded it, Sorry, I alluded to it earlier. As it's a dialogue, it's a meeting of minds. That's what dialogue means. And within any coaching conversation, I perhaps learn as much Mm. about me and the coaching process and my client as the client learns about themselves. And it's every conversation we have as human beings, I believe, is an opportunity to learn and to develop. More so within a coaching conversation. And... I think reflecting back on my practice as a coach is hugely important. Um, Reflecting on perhaps some of the language that the client used and and is there anything that I might need to raise in our following session, as well as almost holding them to account in a way. So did you achieve, you know, remind me of the options that you had, remind me of what you were going to do. Was it done? Did you do that? Mm. Yes, no, why not? And so on. But it's very important for me to reflect on the questions that I might have asked. Mm. You know, am I, um, have I got to a place where I do understand the client's point of view? If I don't, let me check in with that. Mm. Don't make any assumptions. Um, So yes, there's an element of planning. Um, There's an element of, okay, 
I know that this evidence-based tool and technique works. Might it be an opportunity to bring it in in the next session? Mm. And it's it's and it's how as coaches we, um, I suppose, get better. It's a I, skill. Yeah, I really like that reflective process that you take, and that all good coaches should take. And I think as at Orange Ball, we we both keep logs of our coaching sessions yeah so when you've had a i come back and i sit down at my yeah my desk and i type up my notes yeah on, on that session what mm. did i learn I and mean, how can i get better what what worked well yeah. what, what didn't work so well yeah and i think that's also something that separates you out i know as someone who's getting better all the time because yeah. you commit to that you know that you're not the finished article as a coach and that you can always learn something else you're You've got this growth mindset, and I think that's almost one of the values that we have as Orange Ball coaches, that we know that we can get better, and we can learn, and we can continue to do things better in the service of our coaches. Um, and one, to give a specific example of this, we talk through the GROW model, which is a, which is a behavioral approach. We're yeah. focusing on what are you going to start doing differently what have you been doing at the moment and what are you going to start doing differently moving forwards yeah and I remember going into a coaching session and adopting this behavioral approach and it, it not fitting it just mm. didn't work with this client it I think they felt that it talking about goals and options it wasn't appropriate and and having that reflection afterwards meant that I needed to flex my approach yeah. for this client. And that's when I decided mm. that I needed to move to a more humanistic approach yeah. to coaching. Yeah. So now that we've looked at uh, a GROW model mm. within behavioral coaching, what is a humanistic approach to coaching? Because I know that you're a big fan of meeting someone on a level as a human being and well and well-being and exploring that together. Yeah. So how might a, a, a humanistic coaching session differ from a behavioural grow model coaching session? Yeah, um, it just reminded me of what you were talking about there in that orange ball coaches, if you see that we carry around a toolbox and within that toolbox there's almost different ways that we can coach. You know, we could have clients where the session is very much based on their well-being, you know, and 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 that's it. Um, and with the example that that you are using, so a humanistic approach is again where you the client is in control. You understand that they are the master of their own destiny, and it. I, I perhaps there's there's more dialogue mm. within it. Um, it's less structured, I suppose. It's isn't less it? structured. It allows. Um, the coachy in a humanistic approach to really explore their own thinking mm. and their own language. And as a, as a coach, I think in a humanistic session, you are facilitating by listening. Mm. And reflecting more. back. Right. And reflecting back and reflecting some of the client's language back and checking in with the client. And some, some clients really appreciate that approach because just having somebody listening to them um 
checking in on their language, checking in on their thoughts, they find that very powerful. Mm. So it's almost, you have to take an individual approach with every client. As you said, the grow model might not work mm. with the, with. But that's with not to say that there aren't humanistic elements within that grow behavioural approach, because there's always an element we're being humanistic at the moment here, yes. where we're connecting as two people, yeah. we're sharing yeah. our thoughts yeah. and ideas. Yeah. And there's this idea that coaching and therapy have quite a strong overlap. Mm. And I think that the the humanistic style of coaching moves more towards that therapeutic bubble, if you like. Because they do share certain similarities, if you like. Yeah. A managed dialogue between two people. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas in a humanistic coaching approach, you might be listening a lot more, yeah. reflecting back and paraphrasing and just allowing someone to talk through their situation yes absolutely without i I suppose the interference of a model Mm. you know that as as a coach i need to get um my client from point a to point b within this time frame and um you know and when adopting a humanistic i suppose approach it takes a bit longer Mm. but the the awareness levels you can reach to a much deeper level. Yes. And, and and perhaps that's what differs between a behavioral approach and a humanistic approach. And it could and it, it could be goal related also. So um you know a behavioral approach for example might be best for somebody who is just about to give a presentation. It's something physical that they need to do. You know, they have to, um, there's certain steps that they can take. But with some goals or some challenges that people face, it's not quite as concrete as that. I think challenging relationships in the workplace, a humanistic approach can be highly beneficial. Yeah, yeah. And it's about space, I think. Giving giving the coachee a safe space to talk about the issue and again without the coach interfering too much into that thought process Mm. um i think we all at at some level want to be listened to and we we may not always get the opportunity to do that or to be heard Mm. so that type of approach again it, it is to get the client from point a to point b or wherever they want to go but it's just a slightly it's different, a different way of going about way it. of getting there. Mm. There isn't one path, you know. There isn't one way. Um, yeah. So but, that would but be. But as an orange, an orange ball coach, you you're instinctively thinking, evaluating what tools and approaches that you should be using. Yeah. To best help my client get what they want, yeah. and if they need to be listened to and they need to be heard, maybe in the initial session. The first time you meet, I just need to sit back, put the models and tools down and just allow this person yeah. some time to talk yeah. Yeah. and get things off their chest. And a lot can happen in that time. Right? It can be very powerful. It, it is very powerful. powerful. Yeah. And yeah. I think some of the some of the best sessions I've had when I thought about just just sitting back mm. and just giving this person a bit of space. And I used you summed it up. Yeah. Really well. Yeah. 
Now, I'd like to spend just a little bit of time talking about another approach because it is my favorite approach approach to coaching and it's also one of the most popular yeah. which is cognitive behavioral coaching yeah and a lot of people are listening now thinking well i've heard of cognitive behavioral therapy mm. so what is cognitive behavioral coaching and positive psychology and how do the, those three things come together coaching cognitive behavioral work and positive psychology yeah um Again, I think the best way to share this is through an example. Yeah. So, um, as you can remember, Simon, we were, we we did some work in a in a school just before the summer, mm-hmm. and we worked with a group of year ten pupils. Mm. Difficult time being a year ten pupil. Oh yeah. <laughs> Fourteen, fifteen, and um, we were exploring negative thinking patterns mm. or patterns of thinking that. Um, stop us reaching a certain goal or a point. Or interfere with well-being. Interfere with well-being, interfere with performance as a student, interfere with relationships. Mm. So the way that we think or how we think can be a barrier as, as it can be the tool that gets us through or helps us to achieve success. How we think. Mm. And we used um, what is called the space model to help these young people move from one type of negative thinking to a more positive way of of thinking. Mm. And it's a very structured tool and we almost coached them through it. It was a group coaching approach that we took. Mm. Um, And it's a framework that we can work with as individuals. Um, but I suppose this is where a bit of mentoring came in, where mm. we shared with with the young people, look, this is, if you're having a negative thought, so you've got a, a test coming up in a couple of weeks and you believe you're going to fail, you know. And if you have that belief, that negative thinking pattern or belief, it's going to affect your performance mm. in the test. Not only that, it's going to affect your well-being. I mean, we know the mechanisms for that, right? You, you, a thought doesn't go without consequence. Absolutely, a persistent thought can generate unhelpful emotions that then can subsequently undermine behaviours. Right. So, for this example, the exam, I'm thinking that I'm going to fail. Therefore, I have emotions of fear. Yeah. sadness maybe even some elements of depression yeah and subsequently you're not in an optimal state to be performing that exam yeah and this space model gave us the framework to be able to explore more helpful ways yeah. of thinking feeling and behaving so let's let's yeah. let's let's mark it out so space s the social context yeah so we identify what the context of the situation is that's difficult. An exam. Yeah. Sitting an, uh, a mathematics exam. Yeah. And then we look at that in the first. So we get the people to identify exactly what the situation is. The P are the physical emotions that accompany that. Yeah. Now, within within what you've described, there are a series of questions that we ask. Mm. You know, and that's where it be- that's the coaching model. Then 
You know, that is us as coaches uh, really drilling down into, okay, um, in terms of physical. So when you are feeling, when you are having that negative thought, physically, what might I see? Or Mm. what do you feel? And it could be that, you know, my breathing rate increases or I I move away from my social circle, you know, physically. Mm. So within each of the areas that you're very eloquently describing, there may be another three or four questions to, again, really drill down into what is happening for that young person in this example, mm. you know. Anyway. Yeah. Carry on. Then so, we get to A. A, which is actions. Yes. So how yeah. how is this way of thinking our current state influencing what actually happens? So the physicality of it would be, and the, really useful for us as coaches. So, so how does it feel in the body? Because yeah. there's a lot of nausea that, that comes associated with yeah. anxiety in exams. Yeah. Physical shaking, yeah. headaches, mm. tension in the shoulders. And this model allows us to raise awareness of that. Sounds very silly. Of course, I would know I have a headache or I would be tense. But, I mean, do you really? And do you really know that that's a sign of of exam pressure and stress? Yeah. And raising the awareness around that. And suddenly we've got this going back to the grow model and the options yeah. we've got this whole new raised level of awareness to be able to explore so tell me more about the tension when does it come yeah. when is it at its peak yeah about the sickness and how and and that gives us such a a, a, a wonderful space to be able to explore because we can ignore the the body sometimes and the space model is, is great to be able to look at that yeah and then we have a which is the action so how do these unhelpful feelings and thoughts manifest themselves in action. It might yeah. be, I just I just don't study yeah. leading up to the exam because yeah. I feel it's hopeless. Yeah. Or I go to bed late. I don't sleep well. Or yeah, those kind of those kinds of things. So what am I actually doing as a result of these this external pressure that's being yeah. placed upon me? Yeah. And then we move to C, which is is cognitions. So the, the thoughts. Yeah. What are you actually thinking? in this situation so when you're the lead up to the exam let's get some thoughts down yeah what are they i feel like i'm i'm not capable i'm not ready uh i'm gonna fail yeah and that's the cognitions and then finally e the emotions what are the emotions involved with this so sadness fear anxiety yeah now the space model it is literally about raising that awareness because once we are aware that this is what's happening we can begin to explore options and solutions Mm. now that's almost a different conversation the space model just allows the person following that structure almost to to have their own light bulb moment oh right this is what happens and to see the link right between each of those domains yeah and yeah. how they influence each other. Yeah. Our thoughts influence emotions. Yeah. Physical sensations influence emotions yeah. and actions. Yeah. And they're all interconnected. Yeah. And we're using a, an example with 14-year-olds. But when we work with clients who aren't 14, who have high-pressure jobs, perhaps, they're feeling stress of work, they're anxious about work, it's exactly the same. Whether we're adults or we or the young people that we work with, 
it's interesting when people begin to explore um, their thoughts and emotions that is similar. You know, what we were feeling at four, the age of 14 to do with a with our peer group or a relationship is pretty much exactly the same as adults in that same situation. Okay, it might not be an exam, but it could be that there's a deadline to meet and I don't, I don't think I'm going to meet that deadline. I'm not going to meet it. Right, let's explore that thought. I mean, it's worth mentioning, I think, that you've spent 18 year, years in... In education. I'd, I'd like to add wonderful years, Simon. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. And it, it. And it goes back to what we were talking about. You know, as a teacher, I never felt I knew it all. Mm. There's, if you meet anybody, I think, who's, who says, yes, I now know everything about what I do. I think they're lying. I think, especially when we're working with young people or we're working with people, you have not met every person in the world. You have not, you know, so I think what it, uh, what it helped me understand is that there's never a time where I am the best teacher I could be you know Mm. all we can do is keep improving and developing and you know I'm still passionate about education I you know I'm not uh, I'm not a mainstream full-time teacher or senior leader now but that belief that even at the age of 14 those those young people we work with are the experts on their own life Mm. you know we're not in we're we're not in their shoes we, we can never not put make, ourselves in the, in, in their not situation. Making assumptions, absolutely. absolutely. And I, yeah. and I think this would be apposite now to mention another aspect of positive psychology, which often gets overlooked by. I can say we. I guess we have the luxury of being able to to uh, think about this uh, as people who are studying coaching psychology. And positive psychology at a master's level, yeah. where you go into coaching at a, a much higher level. Yeah. In that you mentioned you work in schools, you have a, a clear understanding of the school environment, and not being able mm. to presume or understand the individual characteristics and situation of a child. Mm. And, and positive psychology allows us to understand or, or, or adopt a framework where we can see that. A child, for example, their home life, their school experience and their peer group are all interacting systems that go on to influence. It's this, uh, when I say the life model that we are familiar with, that gives us this structure to be able to place an organisation or a school or an individual and look at the situation as a whole. Right. Because positive psychology is being accused of being individualistic and, and the individual should mm. adopt and flex and change to their situation. But this frame, this layered integrated framework example is something that, that gives us as coaches that greater awareness that we need to be able to look at the school environment, if you like. Yeah. Right. So yeah. teaching staff, parents. Yeah. Um, perhaps the values within a school. Yeah. So there's a lot more to coaching than just working with the individual, isn't there, that you need to appreciate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, um, I think schools without knowing about positive psychology and teachers without knowing about positive psychology still use the principles. Perhaps they don't understand or knowingly use them. So how to motivate a class, 
Now, you could take the stick approach and try and motivate them that way, or you could take the positive psychology approach and begin with asking, okay, what's right with everyone? What, how can we utilize our strengths class? You know, what, what can we do to overcome these barriers, these, these challenges? But just having that belief that inherently we all have the capacity to do well and to do, to do good and to perform well and harnessing that, I think using an evidence-based approach works. So, you know, we're talking about education at the, mo- at the moment and it's, it's not a secret that teachers are leaving the profession because of the stress, the anxiety that they're under, the pressures that they face from government, implementing new um, ways of working, implementing um, a new um, scheme of work or, you, you know, a new exam system. It takes its toll. You know, and, and, and my friends who are teachers, you know, still share, look, it, it's getting tougher. It's getting tougher. Um, in the same vein, young people are feeling that pressure. You know, we've moved to a very exams-orientated system. And there are strengths to that and there are weaknesses to that. And young people are feeling stress and and, and, and feeling anxious. And then they're, they're dealing with hormones and they're dealing with relationships at that age. And it's, it's, it's becoming a very difficult time for them. And I think, well, what we know is that the type of coaching that we do integrates you know, an individual's well-being within, as a, wider well, context, within yeah. a wider context. So as a school, you can, you can choose to adopt uh, positive education, which is, okay, let's look at um, creating... So the, the PERMA model. So, you know, let's look at positive emotions. Are, are we giving our young people and teachers the opportunity, the opportunity to have positive emotions? Or is it all negative, 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 negative? Um, um, and engagement, right? Engagement. So, you know, even within a class, within a lesson, um, how much engagement is there within there? And what can we do as a teacher to try and improve that engagement a little bit more? That intrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, why is that child... Why should that child sit there and listen? Mm-hmm. Why should that young person revise for the exam as a teacher are we thinking about how how we're engaging that student Mm. um and we can go through the model and but there are some schools wonderful schools actually who who do understand the link between well-being of their teachers and pupils and in the end how that impacts on your performance as a teacher or the well-being and performance of a young person and I think we're a, there's a long way to go yet, but I think we're beginning to see um, not just the education system. Actually, I know you know in some of the workplaces that we work in, some of the businesses we work in, yes, they yeah. are beginning to understand and appreciate the link between positive mental health, well-being, and ultimately performance i mean there's a there's a plethora of evidence and research yeah when you and it makes complete sense when people are functioning optimally their well-being is high they perform better yeah uh, the zwetsloot and pop uh, paper 2004 summarizes this really nicely there's a clear link 
between organisations who are now seeing investment in well-being as an economic benefit. Right? Yeah. Human resources has evolved yeah. out of this notion that if we take care of our employees, then we get our return on investment back by taking yeah. care of them and getting the best. I guess where positive psychology differs, again, is moving away from that medical model where we're just trying to prevent absenteeism. Mm. We're trying to prevent illness and yeah. workplace yeah. Uh, stresses. Whereas positive psychology is, is perhaps taking someone who may already be performing well and making them even better. Right? Absolutely. And, and, and the tool that we use at Orange Ball is coaching. And, and what we talked about earlier, empowering individuals and organisations to almost find their path, their journey. It's not for us to implement certain strategies and policies and so on. It's for us to explore and to ask either an individual or an organisation, you know, where they are on that journey. And there may be an element of mentoring, especially when we're working with young people. Um, but we know that the... The evidence around coaching and, and using coaching as a tool to, um, I suppose, harness change mm. is is there. Mm. And, and, and so we use a coaching approach when we work with okay. these organisations mm. and clients. Whereas if you're not a coach, you might use a, a, a very different approach. Mm. Um, okay, I'm going to challenge you. Yeah. I'm not going to leave you Please on your do. own, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we we had some conversations last night and one of the things that I really love that you say is about creating a, a coaching culture within yeah. an organisation, be it a school or a workplace. Yeah. And what do you... I know what creating a coaching culture would look like, but what would you as Orange Ball do to say within an organisation... Stack, we want to know what the benefits of creating a co coaching culture in an organisation is. Mm. What does that mean? So we alluded, we alluded to it at the start. So we have a belief that coaching is a powerful tool to um, create positive change. Okay. Now, if you can imagine that within a culture. So if we if if you look at a line management structure. Right. Okay. So let's let's take the a uh, yeah. uh, a one to one meeting. Manager yeah. and employee. Yeah. How does a co uh, uh, an organisation that's adopted a coaching culture differ in the, the management approach and the employee relationship? Again, we we talked about intrinsic motivation earlier. So um, if you can imagine, now I was in that situation. I was a senior leader in a school, and I'm working with, um, let's say, a head of year. Okay, so th that type of alignment structure. Now, it's more powerful using coaching questions than just having a conversation. You know, j j maybe um, telling the person what to do. Um, and and almost forcing my will and forcing my thoughts and forcing my behaviours onto that person as opposed to allowing that person to explore their own behaviours and their own thinkings to inform change. Okay. So instead of your manager, I'm your manager, Zach, one-to-one, -one, here we are again. Yeah. Uh, this is what I need you to do this week. Yeah. Go ahead and do that. Great. Uh, what's going wrong at the moment? You know, yeah. How do we fix it? Yeah. You know, can you get on with it? Brilliant. Right. I might as well have not had the conversation. Yeah. Because all you've done there is just impart your thoughts, your knowledge, 
what you want me to do. And assuming because I'm the boss. higher up yeah. in the hierarchy than yeah. you, then I... Yeah. So within, within a coaching culture, almost your the power of your role... Um, sorry, no. There's... The power within a within the, a conversation is equal. So you're understanding that you're both equally resourceful. Absolutely, and you know, you being the chairman and me being you know new to the organisation, that's not important. That doesn't become important. What becomes is important is that we are both having conversations that will develop dialogue that is going to develop you and is going to develop uh, my work and for the benefit of. The, the organisation, absolutely. And, and it could be down to, um, you know, so when you, do have convers- when you do have a dialogue with anybody else in your team or in your organisation, everybody knows um, almost the type of questions to ask, mm. the types of uh, behaviours to demonstrate. So curiosity... Listening, non-judgmental, yeah, confidentiality. The skills of a coach, yeah, yeah, and and what we're doing is we're empowering the whole organisation to use a coaching approach for the common good, for whatever the goal is, because they're good values. They? I mean, they're a good value starting point for an organisation, right? To, to adopt coaching behaviours, listen mm. without judgment, yeah, mutual respect, Mut- understanding you are as resourceful as I am, yeah, and that doesn't mean that that. You're completely passive because if you both just adopt a coaching potion, you're just yeah. sitting there answering, asking yeah. each other questions. But I think it's a really great starting point for an organisation, isn't it, to to integrate those types of behaviours in, in there. Yeah. And it's going to certainly, I feel, help people to build stronger relationships yeah. with each other. And and where where Orange Ball may differ is that you know, we say that we can implement a culture of well-being within an organisation. So not only are we are we sharing our knowledge as coaches, but we are sharing our knowledge of or the science underpinning well-being. And what we know through all, all the research and the evidence is that for for an organisation to have to flourish is where people are looking out for each other. People are talking to each other about their well-being. So if you do, if you if you acknowledge that somebody in your team is stressed, you know what, what might you do as a manager or as a leader? And the evidence suggests that if you do want to increase the well-being of an organisation, when people are having those type of conversations, and you know you can see that perhaps somebody is feeling anxious. All right, what, what, what do you do? How, you know, what do I do if somebody comes to me and says, look, I'm really anxious about this next project. You know, as a, as a manager or leader, you may not have the tools to So there's an element of, of, of educating Absolutely. people about not only the benefits of well-being and how that links to attainment within schools, for example, but performance in the workplace. Yeah. One, we need to get across that it's not, it's, this isn't wishy-washy. There's yeah. a strong investment to be yeah. made here in... In well-being, and yeah. th- and th- and that's, like you say, as part of the consultancy process at Orange Ball, is an educational yeah. process that needs to take place yeah. about how do we recognise the signs mm. of stress. I know that's something that you and I are quite passionate and interested about. Certainly, I'm very interested in the the science of of stress, 
or rather dis disinhibitions, probably the better word, and this idea of positive stress management. Absolutely. And we all need an element of stress. Mm. Um, use stress. You know, it's good for us. Back With my background in sport, you had to utilise those thoughts and emotions and, and it would, you know, it, it would nine times out of ten create, you know, really positive performance. Mm. And it's when it just goes over to distress where we need some help. We need some tools and techniques that we can use. We may need a coach. That's where the, the coach comes in. We may need to have some knowledge and understanding of, okay, what is stress and, and how might I deal with it? And that's where I suppose orange ball coaches, as orange ball coaches, we bring in things like, okay, so what are your strengths? Mm. Um, this is mindfulness. You may want to, and, and you, you may want to yeah, utilize okay. some of it. Or let me share what I know about uh, mindfulness. It could be um, in order to deal with distress. Um, let's look at resilience. What is resilience, and how does that link to stress? Um, so, you know, I think as orange ball coaches, we have that knowledge, we have that understanding of things like stress and anxiety, and what we can do through coaching to make that better for people. Mm. Whether it's an individual or an organisation, whether it's a young person, whether it's a teacher, whether it's somebody who works in the city. Um, because you have that, the psychological background and the knowledge of, of that you need to take a, a multi-dimensional approach to the situation of where stress might be coming from. Yeah. You know, yeah. relationships, external pressures, for instance, government uh, placing pressures on schools, for example. Yeah. You have that that knowledge and appreciation as a positive, as an orange ball coach, as a positive psychology mm. practitioner to understand where the issue could be arising from to make proper assessments using the latest research. We're Absolutely. always trying to update our yeah. knowledge of, of what research is out there at the moment uh, and to keep us informed of how we can bring that into our work. Cause like I say the development with what we do is never done. We never see ourselves as finished. There's always new Absolutely. positive psychology research. There's always new coaching yeah. psychology and coaching methods research yeah. and how we're using them to assist individuals, yeah. organizations and schools and Positive stress management is, is all about looking at, the, looking at the bigger picture of the organisation as well as the individual. and Yeah, and, you know, we, we were talking about the uh, a culture and it could be that, well, we, we know this. So we've worked in organisations where what we've done is just facilitate that organisation to work on um, individual strengths using the VIA strength finder. And we know from the research that just individuals being aware of their strengths has a positive impact not only on their performance, but on their well-being. So for a for an organisation just to adopt strengths has a huge impact on well-being and performance. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I always say this to you, Simon, that it's not our role to... Um, when we're going into an organisation or into a school... It's not for us to impose our culture. If you know, it, it's we utilize the best of an organization, what they already do well, mm. and 
I feel all we do is we add to that. You know, we, we don't... It's not for us to take anything away. Definitely mm. not. It's for us to um, share what we know, use a coaching approach, and in the end, just try and make life better. And I, I, I love that phrase. And, and, you know, just to help people make life better. Mm. If we just went on that, and I suppose, if you ask what does an orange ball coach do... Perhaps I would just say that in the end. And I think that's probably a good place to wrap up, isn't it? Second hour to get to that point. So if I want to find out more about Orange Ball, obviously I know a lot yeah. about it, but yeah. there's various, the website, www.orange-ball.co.uk. Yeah. Um, you can, we're on Facebook, Orange Ball. Um, we're on LinkedIn, Orange Ball. Um, and... I think we're at that stage now, you know, we're raising awareness of what we're doing, mm. you know, and, and, and the work that we do. And, and, and this is um, part of that. The best way to understand what we do is to have a conversation with us, mm. have a dialogue, pick up the phone, send us an email, um, because we love what we do. Yeah. And it's just a matter of getting the work out there. This is who we are. This is what we do. Mm. And having a conversation around that is always the best way. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. It's no been problem. It's a pleasure talking to you. You you too. Thank you. <laughs>